Jewish Latin Princess episode 181, Ask Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. Friday, Ask Yael. How was everybody's week? This week, we had a pretty popular episode on Monday with Rabbi Daniel Lappin. If you didn't listen to that episode, I highly, highly recommend it. The amount of DMs and emails that I've received on this one was um, pretty impressive. And I I hear that it, it definitely sparked a lot of thought from so many of you across the religious observance spectrum, which I loved. Um, I heard so many comments about the positive impact um, and just saying how much it made you think. Um, so yes, definitely was pretty insightful. And since it's Ask Yael today, I will actually answer an interesting question that one of my listeners posed about the episode and clarify a point that she was, um, you know, she was struggling with and clarify what I think Rabbi Lapin was trying to to express. But first, let's go to the iTunes review section and pick our reviewer of the week. This week, we hear from SB. SB says, amazing. Yael's new minisodes are my new go-to for my morning commute. Oh, well, that's great. That's really, really good to know. I love the idea that I can be successful spiritually and financially and at the very same time. I opened a MICER account and I began contributing to my company's matching 401k for the first time. And I'm beginning to believe that I can be wealthy. Thank you, Yael. Wow, that is Awesome, SB. Amazing. Separating MISER through a designated MISER account and taking advantage of your company's 401k match. Very, very impressive. I'm very proud of you. Um, this is great. I was actually recently talking to another listener who is now in her 50s and, you know, trying to catch up with retirement savings and all that. Um, and I know, I know we're not you know, retiring in the typical sense of the word, but, you know, meaning having those savings that will allow you to, you know, take work less or work in other types of endeavors that, you know, don't necessarily have to be for lucrative purposes or whatever, right? Um, or just take care of your healthcare expenses uh, that come with, you know, with aging, etc. So, you know, I use that term retirement savings kind of loosely. But um, so we were talking about this, this, this idea that, you know, um, it would have been, wonderful to learn about this earlier on in life and, and actually implement it because sometimes we kind of knew it but just we didn't know how to go about it right uh, and we didn't do it and the importance of starting early uh, when it comes to investing and definitely when we have access to employer-sponsored retirement plans we need to be taking advantage of them I mean I don't have that but <laughs> there are other options if you're self-employed I should say but anyway SB I will also add that depending on your level of income you might be able to also contribute to a Roth I IRA, which I would highly suggest if your income allows it because there's definitely an, an income limit. Um, great product um, where where the contribution is, you know, 
relative to the 401k, much smaller. It's only $6,000 a year and it doesn't have the tax advantage. Now it does have in the future when you take out your money, you will take it out tax free. Plus you have the added benefit, the added flexibility that you can pull out your contributions at any time for any purpose, penalty free, your contributions, not your earnings. So that is something that I would definitely consider um, now that you are contributing up to the company's match on the 401k. All right, guys, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having a feeling that there might be some interest in me running again an investment workshop like I did earlier this year. I know I, know I remember when I did this, it was kind of like just an intuitive hunch and it's something that I wanted to do. And I said, it's not something I'm planning to, you know, keep doing or make it all official, but I'm getting the sense from the conversations I'm having again with listeners and the DMs I'm getting and the emails that there might be an interest in me doing this. Um, so why don't, why don't you just let me know? I would love, love to hear. And I do know that this was such a well-received workshop. I mean, the reviews that we received for that were incredible. So send me a DM and tell on Instagram and tell me if investing is something that you'd like to get more comfortable with, you wish you had been in the last workshop or you didn't know about it. Um, that we debunked a lot of the myths that most of us believe about investing. And I simplified the process really well so that you know the fear of the unknown doesn't keep holding us back from from getting it done. In fact, I was talking to this listener and she's finally started to invest and, you know, just much like this reviewer SB, I don't think they're the same person, by the way. Um, so I would love to hear from you if this is something that interests you. Enough of that. SB, congratulations. Amazing, amazing job. Let me know that you're the SB who left the review and I'll send a link for us to get together like I did with another of our listeners earlier this week. And now let's go into the mailbag. Well, first, I actually wanted to um, start with that clarification from Rabbi Lapin's episode. And here's what um, one of the listeners asked. Sarah asked, she said, I love the episode and I'm tempted to send it to my sisters and my whole family, actually. Sarah, please do. I'm not going to object. Okay, so then she asks, it seems like at one point, Rabbi Lapin was making two different points. On the one hand, he said that if a woman makes more than her husband, the marriage is probably headed for trouble. But then he brings the study of the high earners, women who once they had children, voluntarily decided to set aside their high paying careers and stay home with their children. So this doesn't seem to reflect the previous statement that if she makes more, the marriage is doomed. It seems to just reflect the intuitive nature of women to want to be home with their kids. These women made the decision because they wanted to be home, not because they wanted to avoid a power struggle with their husbands or avoid hurting their egos due to their high financial achievement. Okay, Sarah, thanks for the question. I, I think I can clarify, although I'm not Rabbi Lappin, <laughs> but I will try to clarify and hopefully it'll help. I believe that his point is that God created man and woman, woman with certain natures, right? Man's ego and his sense of self-worth is extremely tied to making money, whereas women's is so very tied to child rearing. So he's saying that we see that even in the case where you had these high earners with great connections and powerful families who could be running financial em financial and business empires, even when married, at the end of the day, they voluntarily chose to focus on raising their babies. He's trying to illustrate, I believe, the point that God did make us like that, 
and like you said, the intuitive nature, Sarah, those words that you used, right? And that when we perhaps try to go against that nature, we will probably run into trouble. So the lesson here is not that you will inevitably have to put your professional and creative pursuits in the back burner or completely dismiss them, but rather that as women, we should be sensitive to the fact that the way man was made he will have a greater need to prove himself financially and will probably need a lot more of our support as the wife as he embarks on his effort to financially provide for the family. Because Rabbi Lappin is saying, as a man, he's more wired towards this. And thus, what he's suggesting is that if we create a situation where the man in the relationship feels like the woman is the major breadwinner and that he's not quote unquote, needed as the giver, as the provider, we might run into trouble. And the reason being, because his sense of self-worth is so tied to his financial productivity. Whereas for us, we naturally have a drive to be with our babies that is unique to us and so great and so powerful that we might be okay at some point during our life, sacrificing financial achievement or putting it on hold in a way that might be emotionally crippling for a man. So I think that's his point. I mean, again, there's so much content to digest in this episode. Listeners, if you didn't listen, it's last Monday's episode number 177. Really, really a gem of an episode. All right, Sarah, I hope that helped. Um, We have another question from Linoy. Linoy says, I have a question about my sir. I have a business and there are many expenses that I put under the company's name, but which also benefit me. Then there's the cost of merchandise, salaries I pay, at, and then at the end, there's a profit from the business. Then there's taxes and there's very little net profit left. So my question is, should I be calculating Meister from the final net profit amount or do I need to take into account the expenses that I declared as business expenses and from which I may have also drawn benefit? Okay, Linoy, great question. And we've somewhat covered this before in other episodes, but it's definitely worth addressing again um, and with your specific details. First of all, I suggest that you do consult this with a Rav, um, with an authority in Jewish law as well. But I will tell you what I know bearing in mind that I'm not an accountant and I'm not a Rav. Um, and it's what I've learned from my Rav asking similar questions for myself and for my students. And this is what I understand. My understanding is that when we have a business, the expenses that the IRS allows you to deduct from the business can be deducted from revenue before taking MISER, even if you benefit from them in a certain way. For example, Let's say you run your business from your home, right? So you have your printer and your printer cartridge and your office chair and even the square footage of your office space that you you deduct these expenses um, for IRS purposes and you might derive some personal benefit from them. Like, yes, you print other stuff in with your printer, right? Um, And, you know, you use your chair to do other things in your desk that are not necessarily all the time your your business, right? But the IRS still allows you to deduct it and count it as an expense. Therefore, for account for uh, therefore, according to Jewish law, you can deduct it as well. This is all to say that yes, it sounds like in your case, the MISER, you would be separating from the net profit of the business, which 
we assume that it's the equivalent of what you're paying to yourself. Now, another way to do this, and perhaps an even better way to do it is to draw out salary from the business at the same time as you pay others, which I asked Linoy about, I asked a further question. And she said, well, you know, it's been the first few years. So there hardly was ever for me to draw. So I always waited till the end. And I get that. But I will say that I do recommend getting ourselves used to having a structure where we can do that where where there's certain revenue, there's money put aside for taxes, and you have to check with your accountant, you know, how much you should be putting aside for that, then there's salary to you, um, there's something called profit first, which I'm not going to get into what that means right now. But you can read a really, really good book called Profit First by Mike Michalowicz, and he'll walk you through this entire system. And then there's the money that stays in the business to fund the operations, all the other expenses that come with the business, like you say, restocking merchandise and, you know, running the operation and paying all the other salaries, all the things, right? Um, So that's one way to structure it. And I know it requires tremendous discipline and organization, but it tends to be very beneficial for the business in the long term and for yourself, because, you know, it always it ensures that you're you're just setting yourself up for for growth, basically. Um, And it ensures that you're always paying yourself and you're pushing your business to be a business that tends to yield enough so that at the end of the day, you can get and you run the business in a more in a leaner way, let's say in a more efficient way, but you have to read the book. But in any case, you would then take MICER from the salary that you pay yourself. Okay, so in the case that you're paying yourself a salary, that money you would then tithe. So I hope that was clear. Basically, let me just recap that you have two options, but they both point out to the same very same conclusion that you take MICER from whatever you net from the business, okay, whether it be Uh, at the end, 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 or whether it be during the course of the year as you're paying yourself a salary. Number one, option number one is you take out MICER from the gains of the business that you will pay to yourself and not from the revenue of the business itself. So that means that most expenses that you could deduct for IRS services can be deducted before you come to the number which you'd draw MICER from, right? But please do double check because there may be special exceptions or circumstances pertaining to your particular business that I don't know about. Or two, you take out MICER from the salary that you pay yourself from the business every month or every quarter, however way you do it. And that goes into your personal, you know, that money goes into your personal checking account, right? So then you would draw MICER from it, you separate MICER from it. So same idea, just different ways to execute it. I suggest that you don't wait till everyone else is paid before you pay yourself. But I understand if you're not there yet. And I definitely would read the book Profit First to get you there faster. So that was an added tip that wasn't in your question. um, But I hope I anyway answered your question. Um, and I gave you just some, an extra homework, read that book. And yes, um, double check that all your expenses are, you know, could be deducted. I, I probably most likely yes. And so um, now you know that you will take my surf from the net in this case. Okay. Anonymous asks, what's your opinion on casinos? And what advice do you have to eliminate an addiction to gambling. I work to pay more and more credit cards. And one day I'll go into the casino and regardless of whether I lose or I gain, I will still want to continue. All right. Hello, Anonymous. Well, this is a really, really courageous and brave question. And I so appreciate it. It's a first one for me. Um, 
Number one, why do I think about casinos? Well, I definitely don't like them, but you know, that's just me personally. I don't find them all that exciting. Call me boring. Um, There are plenty of other things that I would rather do with my time and my money. But to your more important question, and again, thank you for asking this question. It's so brave and courageous of you. And um, I so appreciate it. Uh, Let's let's dive into this. It sounds like you recognize that there's a gambling problem. And maybe you're even ready to do something about it. So that's great because that really is the first step to any change of our lives, right? That awareness is such a huge part, right? And the good news here is that like any addiction anonymous, any problem of this sort, this is one that you can overcome. You totally can overcome. Will it require work? Absolutely. Will you grow tremendously from this challenge? Absolutely, right? You could do it and you're going to become such an incredible human and bring so much light from overcoming this challenge, right? But you are likely to need outside help. You know, and and that's okay. That's that's you know, you know, going back to what Rabbi Lapin said earlier this week, right? We are meant to be un- interconnected, right? So yes, you might need outside help. You will need outside help <laughs> um, if you're serious about eradicating the the habit of gambling, despite knowing the financial consequences of it, right? And you said it clearly, you know, you work just to pay off your credit cards. And even despite that, you'll go and gamble and want to continue, even if you're getting yourself into more debt. So obviously, there's there's nothing healthy about this behavior. It is destructive, but you can heal and you can change it. Now, before I go on, I, I will I will say that I'll be using the words problem and addiction, you know, very loosely here. And listeners, I apologize if there are nuances with each that I'm not aware of, you know, problem gambling or an addiction to gambling, there might be nuances to definitions of what each means. And I'm using them with a caveat that I do, I do not know details about anonymous personal situation and the extent of the problem and, and or if it's actually technically considered an addiction or not, there's professionals who would be able to assess this. And so without that knowledge, I may be using incorrect or inaccurate language. And I apologize in advance for that. But she did ask me for advice. And she did use the word addiction. So I will do my best with what I have. Okay, so anonymous, I have a few resources for you. I would suggest um, checking out the National Council on Problem Gambling. If you're in the United States, they have tremendous amounts of resources and support. Um, But I will add to that, that since your question came in Spanish, it's possible that you don't live in the US. But there is also I wanted to add that there's also something called Gamblers Anonymous, which operates internationally. And I checked and they are in many, many cities in Latin America, and they run a 12 step program, um, much like it's run for other types of addiction, which, you know, started with alcoholism, but we have it for so many other um, addiction program uh, addictions. So 12 step program, and they they have these support meetings all across Latin America and other countries. And I think these are two great places to start the National Council on on Poverty, problem gambling in the US or gamblers anonymous okay and I, I additionally i would refer you also to check out opcion jo whose founder daniela sichel has been on the show and not only can they connect you with a virtual therapist in spanish but they also offer amazing support groups led both by a team of therapists and coaches and i bet you they have something for gambling and if they don't they'll create it They'll definitely create it. So check out the website at opcionjo.com. Um, I was going to say in Spanish. Okay, at opcionjo.com. Um, and you might be able to 
to really get some help there as well. Uh, and by the way, I should say that there are similar hotlines and support groups in Canada and Australia and the UK. And I'll put all that all the information on our, on our website in the show notes, very similar to the National Council on Problem Gambling here in the United States. Now, I mentioned therapy, um, <clears throat> which I believe will probably be part of the process as well. And my understanding is that in most cases, it is really good to talk to a therapist who himself or herself will actually recommend a specific type of therapy because there are different types of therapy that are done or that are geared towards healing certain types of gambling related behaviors at the root. So, you know, so this is something to take into account. You'll probably, you know, want to get your, you know, get, um, speak with somebody. Option Joe might be a great idea um, to find somebody. And from a financial perspective, which is, I think, where you're you know, where your, your, your question is, I will mention that much like the recovery process of any addiction where you'll, you'll set up your life to be as, you know, kind of as distanced from or as far away from the substance or the situation that triggers the behavior. It's very likely that once you decide that you're going to take the problem seriously and deal with it, you will give up some control of your finances, okay? And I know this is not like the most popular thing to say on the show. I'm not for giving up control. But in this case, it's very likely that um, you will have to do that in order to limit your access to money, okay? Because this is what this is all about. Gambling cannot be done without access to money, right? So, this might require things like getting rid of all your credit cards and most likely have a trusted person who is fully aware of your commitment to therapy and to treatment manage your accounts for you and have a limit amount on the amount of cash that you carry around. So again, all these things are designed, right, to help you create that environment where you can't, you can't you can't execute on the on the behavior, right? On the temptation of the behavior. And again, all these things a proper therapist will be able to discuss with you. And there's also added to that the spending time and designing your life to spend time in quality activities that keep you busy and fulfilled. And I should say that there is a spiritual component to this work as well and spending time on spiritually nourishing activities, right? Um, so, you know, I will also say that I know that these days, Things are even more complex in the sense that gambling a gambling addiction can involve our cell phones. So blocking gambling sites and apps from our phone and or our computers. Um, but again, it's likely that some somehow someone will have to do this for you in a way that you can't you know reinstall them again. So it makes it a little bit more complex. I'm not sure, but it is something that I'm sure is well addressed in the support groups and the, by the therapists and will be part of the process in one way or another. And again, just like with any other process of dealing with an addiction, we want to, you know, avoid the tempt the environment that tempts it, right? So I'll put these links on the show notes on my website, again, the National Council on Problem Gambling, Gamblers Anonymous, which has international meetings in many, many cities in Latin America, as well as a few other organizations specific to Australia, Canada, and the UK. And finally, Opción Yo with, you know, their virtual therapists and support groups in Spanish. Good luck, Anonymous. Really, really um, much, much success with this. Keep us posted. Amazing that you that you wrote about it and that you realized that there's something that you want to deal with. And uh, you can, you can, you really can. And I think you will. 
All right, ladies, that is a wrap for the week. Sarah, Linoy, and Anonymous, thank you for your questions. You can always send your questions via DM on Instagram at Jewish Latin Princess, where you can also follow me. In fact, you should probably follow me so I could see your DM right away and it doesn't go into that, you know, like the dark box over there of like requests. Or you can always send your questions via email to yael at jewishlatinprincess.com. Do let me know about your interest in hosting an investing workshop again, because again, I definitely hadn't envisioned it for the fall, but it's definitely doable. And my feeling from what I've been hearing from you is that there might be interest. So let me know what your thoughts are on this. If you enjoyed this episode, will you head over to iTunes and leave a review and rating? It really literally takes 30 seconds and it's one of the best, most helpful things that you could do for this show as iTunes, as I've told you before, really rewards those shows with reviews and with consistent reviews. Um, And every week I will, and how do they reward it? By making the show visible to people who are searching for this type of content, okay? So if we want more women to be able to access what we have going on here on the show, you can be a part of helping making that happen. So every week I will be picking every year of the week and we'll get to sit and chat for 20 minutes about whatever's on your mind. And that's always a lot of fun for me and hopefully for my my listeners. It seems like we have a nice time. So also one last thing. Can you think of someone right now who would find this episode helpful in their life? Spread the light, spread the love, hit that share button. And in a second, you can send the link to this episode via WhatsApp or text it to them. All right, ladies, don't forget to light Shabbat candles before the candle lighting time in your city. Have a Shabbat Shalom, and I'll see you here next week. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes. Leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.